Come on, church, how many together we can see the gospel of Jesus Christ go into all the world? Amen. That is the goal, that is the heart, that is the reason that Jesus has come, to see a world come to know Christ as Lord and Savior. And God is working that all around the world. Susan and I, just to give you a little background on us, yes, we did serve as your district youth directors for 29 years and loved it, loved every moment of it. And that's how we got to meet great guys like your pastor and, of course, our evangelist Ron Rhodes and Heather and so many others. It has been just incredible just be in here all day today. There are so many friends we have in this church. Susan and I, we were out in the hallway and we took a little straw poll and we have decided we would make this our home church. I got to just tell you that. We would make this our home church. Amazing. We love it. Love what God is doing here. I appreciate the band as well, the worship. I love their hearts, just so willing to do whatever, whatever, and uh, just make it happen. You know, it's not any place you can come and do a little boom chuck, and, you know, and just pick up a band in a local <laughs> church. I want you to know that's a rarity. <laughs> that is a rarity that you're able to do it, and they did it with such great excellence and just so grateful for that. But, you know, as we did that, you know, it began for us, and we shared with this when we were with you the last time, but just very quickly, this thing started with God asking us a question. Will you trust me? Will you trust me? Will you trust me? I want you to know the answer is yes. I will trust God. Susan and I, we will trust God in our marriage. We will trust God, but we don't even understand what it is that we're trusting God for. We took and we listened for almost a, from two years, almost two years, every day in our prayer time hearing this question, and that's what led us. When we begin to understand that the God you and I serve is not a God of lip service, but he's a God of action. We serve a miracle-working God, church. We serve a God who is doing the impossible every day, every day, every day. He's got a plan that supersedes you and I in our, our finite minds and thinking. God's doing incredible things. But that's what led us then to take the action of offering our resignation. God has led us then to something that we never dreamed possible here that needed to do that. Our first stop is going to be in Bolivia. We have 20 youth ministries that God's allowed us to raise up, and we've got to get down there. We're going to deep do a deep dive there in that country, and we've got to figure out how is it that we've been able to sustain this type of ministry in a resistant culture. Because if we can figure, God, if the Holy Spirit will teach us how we can do this in a resistant culture, I believe those are going to be the keys. Come on, church. The keys to the future of opening these opportunities in other countries, in other worlds, and see God do just miraculous, miraculous things. So we are finishing up our itineration here at the beginning of this year, and we are looking to transition. We're about 10% away from reaching our budget. But, you know, there's just a time in your spirit when you just say, enough's enough. Come on. Has anyone ever gotten that place in your spirit where you just go, enough, enough? We're going. It's time. It's time to just pull up stakes. We're taking and packing the tent, and then we're going. It's time. We sense that in our spirit, and we're trusting God for the rest. How many know God's going to do it? We're not sweating it. You know what? It's just a tithe. It's just a tithe. God's got the tithe. God has it, and we're trusting him all the way for this. So our first stop is going to be in Bolivia, and it's going to be an amazing, amazing moment as we uh, land there, begin to see God's already opened up opportunities, crazy things, crazy things. 
we were invited to speak at their national convention. Their national convention is equivalent to our general council. And I was, I was invited to speak at that thing. And I got to tell you, fear and trembling just set into this guy's life here. You know, I don't understand the language, let alone the culture, you know. But, uh, but uh, I've learned that the spirit of God, you know what? You know, when you offend people, just go, it's the word. Yeah, it's just the word. You know, I'm just sharing God's word. When well, we have that, we have been invited to do a national tour to meet every pastor in Bolivia, which is unheard of, unheard of. We have invitations already and schedules are being set up for us to meet the national youth leadership in the district youth leadership there. And once again, I'm not going to take in this first time here, hear my heart. I'm not going there to tell them what they should be doing. That's not what I do. We're going to go. I want to hear what God's placed in their heart. And we're going to ask God, will you help us to place a dream over their heads? That's what we want to do. Place a dream over somebody's head. Did you know that God wants to do far more than we could ask or think? It starts with a dream. It starts at, besides that, I've read in Scripture, you know, the younger are going to prophesy and us older are going to dream dreams. You know, and so I'm going to take this dream and I'm going to place it over. No, 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 not because I'm the old guy. Maybe because, you know what, we're going to take and break this thing out and then I'm going to prophesy. There it is. God's going to give it to us and then we're going to walk in the power of the Spirit to see God do great and mighty things. We're believing God for the impossible. Why? Because I've seen God do the impossible. I want you to take an open of your Bibles this morning to Romans, the 12th chapter. I'm going to be reading out of, um, when we get to the 12th chapter, I'm going to be reading out of the Amplified Version because I want you to see some of the nuances that are actually there in the Greek as we take a look at this. But just to give you a little background about where we're at is the um, Paul. Paul is writing this to literally the power seat of the world. Rome is the, is the greatest empire that the world has ever seen. And uh, when you hear the, fa the, the, the phrase, all roads lead to Rome, the reason was that is Rome was building the roads, and actually the roads didn't lead to Rome. It was actually the roads led out of Rome so that they could conquer the rest of the world. And that's what they were utilizing those roads for. But it was the greatest seat of power that had ever been established here on the face of the earth. Paul was writing to the churches there in Rome. But I got to tell you a little bit more about Rome. Rome being the most powerful nation in the world was also a nation absolutely filled with every sin and debauchery and incredible, you know, uh, filth that you would ever want to imagine it was taking place in Rome. Now, I don't want to draw any kind of parallels here to present-day times whatsoever. I'm not here to do that, but here's what I am here to tell you. Second Chronicles makes it very clear if we as a nation will humble ourselves, come on, church, and we'll pray, and we'll seek the face of God, we'll turn from our wicked ways, come on, he'll heal our land. He will heal our land. How many know our land, our nation needs a healing today? So you know what, church? I also recognize these things must come to pass. These things must come to pass so that Jesus can come again. And you and I should not be surprised by it at all. Don't be surprised, you know, when things are not going well for the church. Don't be surprised when there is tax against the church. Do not be surprised. I want you to know there's an enemy that work in this world, and he is not for you. He is against you. But I'm here to tell you what the Word says in Romans chapter 8. If God be for you, come on, church. Who can can be against you. God is on your side. God is on your side. And so when they come and persecute you, when they take it and they ridicule you, I just want you to smile at them. 
Just smile at your enemies. Just smile at your enemies. You know why? Because God's working on your behalf. There's honestly nothing they can do, nothing they can do to thwart the power and the presence of Jesus. In Romans chapter 12, though, we see that in the first 11 chapters, Paul is literally writing out his dissertation. He is creating his arguments. And by the way, this book is absolutely packed loaded with theology. Pastor, once again, if we were take in the only book of the Bible that God ever gave us was Romans, where's enough material in us where we could preach this thing for moments? It is literally that packed with theology. You would also have an opportunity to know Christ as Lord and Savior by the information. There is an outline, there is proof. You will know Jesus by reading the book of Romans. Absolutely in there. The thing that that, uh, we've been doing in youth ministries and uh, uh, forever and ever, and that is Paul adopted into his writings where he would break out a theological argument, and then he would bring an application toward the end of his books. We're facing that right here in Romans chapter 12. The first 11 chapters are his dissertation, his argument, and now we are stepping into from chapter 12 to chapter 16. We are looking now at what we call the application of these of this word. This application is now coming to our lives. How many need an application in life? How many need to understand the why behind it sometimes? Would like to know that. We don't always get it, but we like to have these things. Paul begins to do it in youth ministry. Pastor Chris, I know you do this too. You break out the word of God, but we get to the place in the message every time where we come to that, so what? So what? So you've told me all these things about what the Bible is saying. So what? What's that have to do with me? I'm so glad you're asking the so what question. We've got to address the so what question. You see, what we learn here today, church, it is when we walk out these doors, we take the so what into the world. We take the so what? We take this application. We begin to share it with others. The so what? So that people can start getting those aha moments. Oh, I see. I'm seeing the connection of how this is all coming together. As the Holy Spirit teaches you and I, then we begin to disciple others. Are you discipling anybody right now? There's a big challenge. Are you discipling somebody? We should always be discipling somebody. Susan has what she calls my people. You know, the phone, you know, it's your people, you know. I've always got what Susan also calls a project. I've always got somebody that I'm sharing Jesus with. Some of them she calls my people, another one she calls my project, you know. And uh, some of them are really projects, you know. And, uh, but I, I'm a firm, firm, firm believer that we always should be sharing Jesus and discipling someone along the way. That's why when COVID hit here as missionaries and we were itinerating, you know, Susan looked at me, they started shutting down the church, and she says, what are we going to do? I said, we're going to keep doing what we've always done. And she said, what's that? And I said, we're going to keep discipling. We're going to keep training. She said, who? We can't go anywhere. And so I got online. I started connecting with pastors in other countries, started connecting with them and said, hey, you want to journey through these times? You want to journey through these moments? Hey, let's find some brothers. Let's find some sisters. Come on, let's start leading them to Jesus. Let's start taking it. And it has been incredible how our online journey has just keeps going this way, this way, this way. And I'm loving it. I'm loving it. Susan comes home from school and she's like, uh, who are you talking to now? <laughs> you know, I know you've got these meetings. You know, Zoom, Zoom. <sighs> That's from God right there. 
You know, I spent a lot of time zooming away, you know, but uh, it's a God moment here. So we come into this 12th chapter here, and I want to just take a look at here of what the Word of God brings to us, because we are now transitioning hard. Before I hit that, though, I want to tell you the key verse of Romans is actually found in the first chapter and in the 16th verse. And Paul writes us this, these words. He says, for I am not ashamed. Say that with me. For I am not ashamed. I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, 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 no. Why? Because I know. Say, I know. I know it is the power of God. Come on, unto salvation to all them that believe. Do I have any believers in the house today? Yes. We believe. We believe. That makes me think of a lot of Christmas movies. You know, we believe. Have you ever gone out for the Macy's Day Parade? You know, I believe, I believe. Let me tell you, I don't believe in Santa Claus, but I do believe in the one who made Santa Claus. Here it is. I believe what Jesus is doing. He's going to complete this thing. Romans, the 12th chapter then, we begin to see here once again. So the transition is a hard break here, and we start with these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters. I want you to stop right there because, church, we've got to pick up something here. There is an urgency, church, about the gospel. Church, there's an urgency about the gospel. Pastor's been talking to us today about Christmas time. The Advent time is being a time of expectation of what it is that we expect. What do we expect? I can tell you what God expects. God expects us to be urgent about the work and the call of God and the ministry that all might know Jesus Christ so that his son can come once again and claim that which is his. There's an urgency about the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, by the mercies of God, we must present our bodies, dedicating all of ourselves, set apart as living sacrifices, holy, well-pleasing to God, which is our rational, logical, intellectual act of worship. You see, when you're serving Jesus, there are things that the Holy Spirit's going to bring by your way that you're not going to fully understand. There's going to be moments you're going to be hit with stuff, and you're going to be like, what the heck is that? I don't understand this. Many times what we do in our rationale is when we don't understand something, we kind of throw it away. We discard it. Or even worse, we say, that can't be right. That can't be right because I don't understand it. This isn't right. I learned very young in my, my walk with Jesus. I created something in my own life that's something you cannot see, but in my own life, I created this spiritual shelf, and I called it a shelf of understanding. This shelf of understanding is things that I don't really understand. Things when I don't understand them, what I do instead of chucking them, instead of talking bad about them, I put them up on my shelf of understanding. And I begin to pray and I begin to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you just teach me? I'm, I'm walking, I'm journeying with you. I, I need to understand these things and I continue on in life with these things up on my shelf. People, you're going through a circumstance that... The word of God begins to remind us of these things that are up on our shelves. And we pull them down off of that shelf and we begin to open them and examine them and turn them upside down and inside out. And all of a sudden we have that aha moment where the spirit of God is revealing through revelation. He begins to reveal to us these deep truths and these secrets that we never understood at one time. And guess what? That's an amazing moment because then we get to share those things. We get to teach others and begin to help them. I want you to know there's some 
some other things that are up on that shelf, and they just turn to stone, hay, and rubble, you know? They're just worthless, you know? And every now and then, you got to take your shelf and just go, okay, this is, I can see, you know, where this does not really fit in the economy of God, and it's okay. All right, God, if you ever want to reveal something different about that, let me know. But we're just going to leave it there. I've walked my life this way, asking the Holy Spirit to be my teacher, be my guide. I don't know what your journey is, what your story is, but I'm a first-generation Pentecostal preacher in my family. I'm the first one in my family to ever go to higher education. No one's ever gone to higher education in my family. You know, they all just worked with their hands. They worked hard, and man did what. And uh, when God called us to ministry, I was like, ah, what's that? You know, huh? this guy, I was on my road to become a concert pianist. I was doing well in competitions. That's what I wanted to do. And now I play boom chuck for Jesus, you know? Yeah crazy it's crazy now get me at home it, it's a different story <laughs> we're not boom checking at home <laughs> but uh yeah just walking out this journey of faith and saying god what, what is these next paths what do you have for us but romans here begins to take us there's a logical intellectual act of worship that you and i have many times when you're intelligent and you want a rationale for everything. I want you to know, you try to rationalize Jesus, he's going to just, he's just going to stand back and let you just stand in frustration. He really will. Until you get to a place, and I get to a place of dependence. And where you say, God, I don't understand, but I'm going to trust you to teach me. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to walk away. God, I can see I'm not literally as smart as I thought I was. Spirit of God, Teach me. It's a great, great time. We move into that second verse and says, and do not be conformed to this world any longer with the superficial values and customs. Church, I want you to know I'm concerned for a generation. I'm concerned for a generation, especially a generation that the churches or the world has masked up. A generation where they're trying to silence a generation. Susan is in the schools every day and they have to wear masks every day. And Susan said, the students are a lot quieter than they've ever been in my entire life. She said, why is, why are they quiet? She said, because they have masks masks on. When you have a mask on, it gives you a reason not to talk. It gives you a reason not to communicate. It gives you a reason also not to act up. But it is something that I believe that the world, the world is masking up a generation. Once again, I'm not looking to get political. I'm not looking to get whatever, you know, I'm not looking to step on anything. But here's what I do know. I do know that Joel chapter 2 says that there's coming a time when these young people, God's going to rip the mask off and they're going to prophesy and they're going to move in the things of the Spirit and we're going to see great and mighty things done because God, because of God, because of what God is doing. The world would love to silence a generation. The world would love to take and bring a generation to where it is that they're not moving out in the things of God. They're not moving out in anointing and power and victory. But I'm here to tell you, God is not, is not the plan of God. God has a super great plan for your lives. Has for your lives, for your children's lives, and your grandchildren's lives. Come on, church. Do you believe that today? I believe that with all of my heart. God is going to do it. So don't be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed. Say transformed. Transformation is really what we're looking at today. I want us to look at the word trans transformation because transformation really is progressively, it's changing as we mature spiritually by the renewing of our minds, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that we may prove for ourselves that what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect, his plan and purpose for you, for you, for you and for me. God has a purpose 
for us. It's not by chance. God has a purpose and a plan here. Transformation, change. Those are things that we don't naturally embrace. Those are things that we don't naturally want to hold on to. But I want to talk to you. In Luke chapter 2, we see a man called Simeon. Simeon was just an old guy. He was an old guy. I want you to know down in the Jerusalem market, if you were to buy a can of prunes, it had his face on it. I mean, that's how old this guy was, you know, just down there in the Jerusalem markets there. Simeon, he was there. But this old man had heard from the Holy Spirit that he would not die until he laid his eyes on the Messiah. Come on, church. What a promise that would be, huh? Because they have waited. They have waited thousands of years. They're waiting for the Messiah to come. It was a desire and still is, might I say, of every Jewish person out there. Thank God that there's a Jewish populace who has experienced that Jesus actually is the Messiah and are following Jesus and are living for Jesus. And we're seeing a renewal take place in Jerusalem and seeing God do great things. I don't know if you get excited about that, but I do because that's a fulfillment of prophecy of what God has called things to be here in we're taking. But here it is. We see that when when Simeon, when Simeon saw this child, he went on out in the courtyard and he met Mary and Joseph and the Holy Spirit revealed to him. Here's what he said. He said, God, you can count on it. Lord, you have kept your promise. I am very happy. Now I can die. <laughs> now I hope none of you just go out of this place and your promises are fulfilled and you feel like you can die now. No, 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 no. God's called us to something greater here. But here it is. This young man, he is now at the twilight years. He is spending time in the temple, and he's just waiting for this moment. But here it is. Now that he sees it, he says, now I can die for I have seen Jesus, your son, who will save many. Simon, it says, was very happy. He was happy forever. Church, you know, as we like this, I love Pastor Aaron for doing this. You know, Advent brings us hope. It brings us love. But church, it brings us joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory. The hope that God is placing in and over us is absolutely amazing what God is placing in and over our lives today. It's a miracle that God is busting out. Simeon saw the promises. It was a transformational moment, which, by the way, what he witnessed there, the promise fulfilled, became a transformation for all the world. Jesus has come. Jesus lives among us. Jesus is here, and I want you to know he does to this day. For every one of us that know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, Christ is in us, the hope of glory. He resides in us. Is a marvelous, marvelous thing. I want to share with you just in closing very quickly. You know, as we share and we go with Jesus, we see God do just really the impossible. We see really the incredible things. We've had the privilege of being in 19 countries. I'm going to travel you back to Bolivia. We are going to Pano, which is a, a, a city up in the northern tier of, of Bolivia. For you to get there from Santa Cruz, you've got to ride on a chicken bus for three days. And, uh, and I literally mean a chicken bus, you know. They get their, their, their chickens on there, their goats are on there. I mean, it is, ha, <laughs> 
It will take you three days with chicken bus to get there. The problem is that we were going to do an outreach and panel, but to take three days there and three days back would be six days. There's another saying that is in Latin America, which is very, very true. If you want to eat today, you've got to work today. If you don't work today, you don't get to eat, literally. The average wage is now up to $10 a day. By the way, that's three times more than before the pandemic. It was $3 a day, $3 a day, but it's now up to $10 a day uh, that they're able to make. And so this was not going to work. We couldn't, six days, and then we had no time to do a crusade. We'd get there, have to come back, because most people can only take a week from their job. They're going to lose their job. They're going to be replaced. All kinds of things that are going to happen there. And so what did the team get together? I love it. Team gets together, the national team. When there's a crisis, when there's something they don't understand, when there's a, uh, something, they got together and they get in the church, and what they do, they fast and pray. They just start fasting and praying. And I'm not talking about they continue on their daily routines. No, 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 no. They wait on God. They stop eating. They start praying. And I mean, they'll pray round the clock. They will not until a miracle takes place. A miracle takes place. The airline, we contacted them. They wanted $300 a ticket. Absolutely impossible. But as these students were fasting, as they were praying, we got an email that said, hey, are you still interested in tickets to panel? Because we have a sale going on. We can get you tickets for $50. Sold. We're in. We're in. 50 bucks. We can do this. Take the one-hour flight on up to panel. The next is we want to take and take the Book of Hope. The Book of Hope is actually the Gospels put into chronological order, and then it answers the questions that students, most students are asking. And so it takes and addresses these questions, and it takes a look back into scriptures to see what the Bible says about the questions that teenagers have in life. How many of you know that's a good place to go to look for your answers? The Bible is a great place. That's the Book of Hope. Our hope and dream was to be able to put that Book of Hope into every student's hands. When we got the, when we get the panel, the problem was the most books we could put our hands on was a thousand books. That's the most we could get our hands on. We could not get any more. But we would be out of books literally within two days. It may be even a day, depending on how many schools we were able to get into. We literally were going to be out of books. And so what did the team say? They were not discouraged by this. They said, we must fast. We must pray. We must see God do a miracle. We must see. And these students started fasting and praying, fasting and praying. Come on, church. There might be some power in this, this thing called fasting and praying. They started fasting and praying. When all of a sudden, got another email and said, hey, we have a shipment of Book of Hope that have been displaced, and we cannot get them to the people that they were going to. And we're just wondering if you might be able to utilize them. We have 24,000 copies. Can you use them? Come on, church. Somebody. <laughs> Yes, we will take those books, 24,000. Now we've got 24,000 books, and we're like, now we've got to get them to Pano. Once again, how are we going to get them shipped? How are we going to get them shipped? So we checked with the bus company again. Once again, it was going to be a three-day trip there. Well, the airline tickets that we got, we, there wasn't enough time. We would be there for days without these books. We need these books. We can't get them there. And so the team, and I love it, you don't, you don't have to prompt students when they, when they discover, when they discover the formula for taking and seeing miracles take place. How many know you don't have to teach them anymore? You don't have to teach them anymore. They're going to go after God. So these students, they went back, and guess what they began to do? Some of you were quick. Some of you were quick. The book, they began to fast. 
I don't know how we're going to get this. When we checked to see what the airline was going to cost us, they basically told us, how many students are you taking? If you give one eye for every one of those students, we'll be able to ship to do it. We carried these books to the airport. My students, they're shuffling these books in these boxes, just pushing them along. We're next in line when all of a sudden we're standing there and our students learned another spiritual truth and that is to watch and pray. Our students watch and pray. And I don't mean they don't stop praying, they watch and pray. We're in that line and they're watching, they're praying. And what we saw was, is we saw a lady very well dressed come from the back office and she comes out and she relieves this person at this station to check them in. All of a sudden she looks at us and she says this way, she waves us in. She goes, where are you headed today? And we tell her where we're going. We take it. She gives us all that. And she says, what are all these boxes? And I begin to tell her about, these are books that transform lives. These are books that change a generation's destiny. These are books that carry the answers to students' problems. And if they will just take, if we can just get these books into the hands of students, their lives will forever be transformed. We took one out of the box and gave it to the lady, and she's looking, and she said, I recognize some of these words. Is this the Bible? I said, yeah. It's gospel put in chronological order. By the way, did you ever figure out how to say chronological in Spanish? I struggled. But the team, hey, help me. Put it in chronological order, and then they've got questions. She said, I understand. She says, give me a minute. And she starts working at her computer. All of a sudden, she hands us back our pile of tickets. And she says, could you please just take those boxes down there? And she says, I want you to put those on those cards. She said, they will be there for you in Pano. Would you arrive? <laughs> and if they try to stop you, tell them the property of the airlines, and you have my permission to take them. She had booked them as freight for the airline. The, the airline, the freight, was going to be paid for by the airline. I've flown a lot of miles. Pastor Ron, you've flown a lot of miles. That's a God moment. They don't ship your stuff. They're in it for a profit. It turns out this lady, she's one of the top three executives for the airline. She could do anything she wanted. God knows your address. He knows where you're living. He knows what your needs are, and he's got your address. He's got your phone number. Are you willing to trust God? Can you transform your thinking to believe God to bring you hope in this season? Can you allow God to do something deeper in you that will really bring you the love that he has for you to just transform and change your heart, which will change your mind to believe God for the impossible? Are you willing to take this next last step? And that is to take and allow God to replace your fear and your anxiety with his joy, in his love, in his peace. Are you willing to trade that all in to be transformed 
by the renewing of your mind, to allow God to spiritually mature us, to believe God for the impossible. Susan and I are on a journey to trust God for the impossible. And we've got enough faith to trust God for your impossible. We know God will do it. Would you just bow your heads with me right now? I just sense that God is speaking to so many of you right now. And many of you are facing some desperate situations. Many of you are facing situations in your lives right now where you're wondering, you know what? I don't know what the answer is. And, and quite honestly, I'm facing a lot of anxiety over this thing. And God's saying, give me your anxiety and I'll give you peace. For he is the, he is the one who brought peace today. He said, some of us are facing fear, fear of the unknown, fear of our situation, fear for our health. And God is saying, fear not, for I am with you. Don't be dismayed. I'm your God. I'm holding you up with my righteous right hand of faith. I've got you. I've got faith. Will you just have faith and confidence that I've got this? I want you to know these things all begin to just bring the joy of God and healing. As you're thinking about your personal situation right now, are you willing for your heart and mind to be transformed? I want you to think about what it is that you need God to do in your life right now. And as you're thinking of that thing, I know you already because it's like, it's, it's like a reoccurring broken record. It just keeps coming back. It, it's just something you can constantly are living with. I want you to right now, as you're just praying right now, as you know what that is, would you just lift up your hand toward God and say, God, I'm giving this to you. God, I'm offering this situation to you. God, I'm offering you, God, this thing that I've been fearful over, God, I'm giving it to you. This thing I'm anxious over, God, God, I'm placing it in your hands and I'm believing you for a miracle. God, these things that I've been fearful over, God, I'm going to allow faith to replace that thing and I'm going to walk in you. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to see you do the impossible, God. We're going to see you, Lord, do the incredible in the name of Jesus. God, you see every hand that is made of Jesus. Lord, there's not on one seen thing here. Lord, you know what is going on. You know what is happening here, God. And I ask you, God, in the name of Jesus, do the miracle. Do that work. God, take and begin to just let your spirit begin to take and grow us up and transform us and move us from where we are to what you are calling us to do and to be for Jesus. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Come on, let's stand to our feet and give God some praise today for his presence in this place. As we get ready to bring this service to a close, here's what I've just sensed the Lord saying in my, in my heart all day today. What if, what if the motion of this Christmas is that the Spirit of God wants to take you from where you are to where he wants you to be. What if, what if that's the motion that God's really about this Christmas in your life? And for some of us, that's, that's a spiritual step. It's a renewing of the mind. It's a sanctification work. It's, it's a letting go of some old things, some old habits, and some, some new pathways and some new directions. But maybe, and I just sense this, and I don't know, maybe it's because of the anointing that rests on missionaries who are just willing to sell the house, sell the car, and go somewhere, and just, I don't know if, if, it's, if it's that or if it's the spirit of prophecy that, that God's stirring in me, but, but maybe you're here today and God's speaking to you to, to follow Him in a new direction, a, a new career, a new calling, I, I don't know, but 
if God's speaking to you today and, and the motion of Christmas is, is a step of obedience, say, God, I'll follow you. I'll, I'll go where you're taking me. I just want to give you a moment to respond to that. In fact, I, I want to ask some of our prayer team to come. And as I pray, if, if the Lord is dealing with you today to take a step of obedience to the Lord, would you just come, even as I pray, would you just step out from where you are? Just find a place at this altar. Let this be a, a physical step to illustrate to the Lord, God, I'll, I'll go where you're sending me. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be transformed in my mind, in my thinking, in my heart. Come on, would you come even now as we pray? Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit right now in this place that's moving people, men and women, young and old, students, adults, Lord, the same spirit that rested on Simeon that caused him to go into the temple of the Lord at the very moment that Mary and Joseph were bringing Jesus. Lord, I thank you that that same spirit is, is in this place and you're stirring our hearts to meet you at an altar, to have an encounter with Jesus, to be filled with joy, for our hearts to be renewed and our minds to be transformed. God, in this moment, Lord, would you just have your way? Would you have your way? Come on, if you're not moving, would you lift your hands toward him? Let's just respond to him and let him know he's worthy. Lift your voice to him.